Hi, this is Ellie Fishman. Welcome to our latest podcast. This is going to be a series of talks on the CT evaluation of gastric tumors, looking at some pearls and pitfalls, and looking at some of the new things we can do as we improve our technology. And so, for example, um, there's no doubt that, like the rest of CT, but the stomach is no different than maybe more important, technique is everything. And so, for example, if you're able to distend the stomach, there's a routine distension, and then do cinematic rendering, look at the detail of the texture of the uh, gastric mucosa. You can imagine how we could pick up literally almost any single lesion that could be present there just by looking at, at how well you could see the information. So that becomes very, very important. Now, when we look at the stomach, I like to think about four things. Distension, opacification, display, and enhancement pattern. And so we used to say that, well, the stomach measured under a sonometer. Then we realized the truth is it's probably under five millimeters is normal when the stomach is distended. If the stomach is not distended, then it's impossible to make a decision. You don't know if the stomach is infiltrated by tumor or inflammation, or if it's simply normal but not distended. One of the reasons we talk about giving contrast in the ER, oral positive or oral neutral, is you gotta distend the stomach. Abdominal pain is a common presentation in the ER, and if the stomach's not distended, you're gonna miss all of the gastric pathology. So for example, here's a nice simple case, a normal stomach, positive contrast material, stomach is well distended, everything looks good. And so when you have an infiltrating tumor of the gastric antrum, it's very obvious the gastric distension and where the tumor is infiltrating. And the same thing with water, a good example of abdominal pain, ER patient, and you can see this large tumor along the, right, the left lateral wall of the stomach. You can see the ulceration present, and you can see it very nicely along the greater curvature when you look at the 3D volume rendered views in coronal plane. You see the tumor, you see its infiltration in the stomach, but you see its ulceration posteriorly through the posterior gastric wall. And so, for example, in this patient who came to the ER with abdominal pain, we gave them water, and you could see, look at the infiltration, look how thick the gastric folds are, mucinous type tumor with calcifications. If the stomach wasn't distended, you might read this as normal, or understand the stomach can't evaluate, advise clinical correlation. The thing that clinicians hate more than anything else, advise clinical correlation. But look at the infiltration by this patient's adenocarcinoma. Now, if you ask me the difficult areas in the stomach, the fundus and the antrum. The fundus usually is because people have hiatal hernias, and you don't want to overcall hiatal hernia, you don't want to call uh, overcall gastric wall thickening, so it's a little bit challenging. And then it's in the antrum. We talk about the stomach five millimeters or less. In the antrum, we talk about 12 millimeters. The key thing with the antrum, you can see in this case, it's thicker, but it's symmetric. There's no abnormal enhancement when the antrum is normal. So here, very nicely on the axials and the coronal display, you can see the antrum, you see the normal enhancement, very nicely shown here as well. So again, no problem with that. And then, of course, you see in this case where the antrum is thickened, there's inflammation, there's ulceration. You could see it again here. This is a patient with classic tumor. It's an antral carcinoma, but you have the asymmetric enhancement. You have the areas of increasing enhancement. You have the wall thickening, but you can see the stomach is well distended. Or in this example, 
you look at the stomach, it's well distended. And you see I'm showing what looks like nodes by the porta hepatis. But then you follow the stomach around. And again, the coronal shows it best. The infiltrating tumor in the antrum of the stomach, the differential enhancement between the mucosa and submucosa muscularis, a very nice example of tumor infiltration. Another thing I like to look for is this. Now, it is true if you ate a giant cheeseburger before the study, you could have a lot of filling defects in your stomach. But if you haven't eaten and you see a lot of food in your stomach, to me that means delayed gastric emptying. And there are a number of causes for that, but one is surely tumor. This patient, if you look at the axials, the antrum looks thickened. And if you look at it a bit more closely, you can see the stomach is distended because there's infiltration of the antrum, particularly well seen on the sagittal views. The sagittal is a great way of looking at the antrum and knowing exactly what is going on. And so this was an antral carcinoma. Again, a little bit of Sherlock Holmes, big distended stomach, lots of residual food matter. You have to make sure you see all parts of the stomach very clearly to make the diagnosis. Now, in terms of protocols, you can use positive and neutral contrast. If you ask me to look for gastric ulcer or mass, I'm using water 1,000 cc's. I'm using IV contrast at 4 to 5 cc's a second. I'm typically scanning. Most of the time, the stomach is a single phase acquisition. But when I do dedicated stomach studies for malignancy, I like dual phase imaging. It gives me a lot of information beyond the stomach and into the liver and the like. Now, I mentioned oral versus uh, oral with water versus oral as positive contrast. Well, when would you not use water? If you're looking for perforation or fistulization, you want positive contrast. In this case, you can see there is some stranding between the stomach and the descending colon, but it's much easier to see when you look at over here, where you see the uh, fistulization between stomach and the patient's uh, flexure. So it's very important to recognize if you're looking for fistulae or things like that, you really need to be able to really take a good look and see the tracking. If you're looking for perforations from the colon, I would say the same thing. But surely from the stomach, when you're looking for fistulae or perforation, you want to be using positive contrast. And for positive contrast, we want to use oral uh, omnipake. Omnipaic, which is the only thing approved by the FDA officially, if it aspirated, the patient does not get pneumonitis. If it goes in the perineal cavity, it does not cause peritonitis. In terms of the stomach, I mentioned most people will do one phase, and for routine evaluation of abdominal pain, one phase is typical, but if you're looking for more information on the stomach, if you have a high suspicion of tumor, I do like two phases because some tumors like carcinoid or even just tumors can be very vascular and the multi-phases can be helpful. Now, one thing about the phases, if you're looking for liver mets, surely uh, the venous is the better phase to be in. If you're looking for nodes, venous is better. The arterial is more giving you a better understanding of the patient's primary tumor. It's also good if you're looking at the vessels for possible ischemia and can be helpful in the liver in select cases. And here's just a good example making the point that arterial phase imaging sometimes is too early, and you can see the stomach is just not enhancing, so you're not sure if it's lack of distension or it's infiltration. You look at the venous phase, it's easy to see the infiltration. You can see the various enhancement of mucosa and submucosa and muscularis. So again, very important 
to understand the phases and what you're doing. And that same case in sagittal projection, very, very much nicely shown in this regard. Now, when I speak about the stomach, I talk about display, axials, multiplanar, and 3D. Axials and multiplanar are a minimum. If you look at this case, there was a questionable mass in the stomach. Now, I spoke about this before. Look at the liver. The liver is nodular. And you see large varices. This is going to be cirrhosis with portal hypertension and varices. And you can see when you have varices at times by the gastric fundus, it can simulate a gastric tumor. So when I see large varices, I'm very careful. When you look at this case a little bit more carefully, when you look at some of the reconstructions, you realize that you're not looking at a gastric mass that's a tumor, you're looking at a gastric mass that's vascular, and it's part of the patient's vascular process. And it's not going to be tumor, it's just the patient's large varices. And we've made this point before when we spoke about liver parenchymal disease, but let's make it again when we speak about the stomach because the stomach is the offended organ. When you have cirrhosis, you need to be careful. It may be harder to see tumor. You can confuse adenopathy with a benign process. Um, also, you can call things tumor or nodes and they're simply varices. So for example, Look at the varices here, or look at the mass in the stomach, in the fundus. You could say, well, it could be varices, patient cirrhotic. And sure enough, at venous phase, it's obviously varices. And so you look at the images together, there's no misunderstanding. So indeed, you want to be very careful. When you have patients who have varices, you can make terrible errors, call things nodes when they're not nodes. So again, I mentioned before, you want to be very careful in the face of cirrhosis. Now, if we speak about gastric cancer, what are we going to speak about? We can speak about gastric adenocarcinoma. Worldwide, big number, 650,000 deaths. In the U.S., fortunately, the incidence is decreasing over time. It's rare before age 40, and most patients will present with advanced disease. It's associated with several things, from pernicious anemia to H. pylori infection to menetriase to post-resection stump cancer. We also know that gastric cancer is associated with certain syndromes, many. Uh, now, most of these are rare. Lynch syndrome, polyposis, juvenile, Poots-Jaegers. Even in places like Hopkins, we rarely see these cases. So you're rarely going to see them in practice. But if someone has one of the polyposis, you put a lot of attention looking at the colon, but you've got to look at the stomach as well. Poots-Jaegers is just one example. Autosomal dominant syndrome. Mutations in the STK11 and LKB1 gene. Uh, it's characterized by muco, mucocutaneous pigmentation and GI polyposis with an increased risk of cancer. These patients have a 29% lifetime risk of developing uh, gastric cancer, so it's very important to look carefully at the stomach. Now, when we look at distribution, we talk about the antrum in 30% body 30, fundus, so it's pretty symmetric. And then the other 10% is diffuse infiltration. The accuracy of staging is something that's been written about, and it's really dependent, no surprise, on protocols. And we do really well in primary tumor. We do less well with spread, particularly to nodes, which are often small. So it's easy to over or to under call. When we look at masses, it could be focal thickening or a polypoid mass. It could be diffuse thickening, 
to be bulky tumor, can be with ulcerations, without ulcerations, or diffuse infiltration. There's a lot of possibilities. And when you do staging, what do you look at? T1, T2, T3, perigastric spread, T4, infiltration of adjacent organs. It's important to remember, again, how good are we at calling gastric cancer? The problem is, is if you want to maintain a good sensitivity and specificity, it's trickier. If you said over one centimeter meant tumor, you'd be right 100% of the time. Every tumor is over one cm, but the sensitivity is 100%, but specificity is under 50%. So that doesn't work out. However, if you say wall thickening, but it's not, if it's focal and eccentric and it's enhancing, then it's almost always tumor. But that's a small number of cases. If it's smooth, not eccentric, then of course it's going to be less critical. Here's just a good example. You look at the antrum of the stomach, interior wall. You see diffuse infiltration on the 3D especially. And then here's the tumor that's in the body of the pancreas. Patient multiple sites of disease. Just a really, really nice example. Look how extensive that tumor is. You also can see nodes into the uh, gastrohepatic ligament region and by the GDA. But you can see this tumor is bulky and this ulceration. And you can see it in the coronal view very nicely. So this is a good example of a bulky gastric cancer, but there's no spread beyond the stomach. We also note that sometimes it's tricky. This case, and I always have the issues with the G junction gastric fundus, what's hiatal hernia, what's not? Well, here you could see that there's thickening. And as you go down, there's thickening and lobulations along the G junction near the greater curvature which is then more impressive on the coronal views, there and there. And you can see there's dystrophic calcification in part in the uh, wall by the lesser curvature. That was a cancer, it was a mucinous tumor. Now the other thing that's a challenge, true also in esophageal cancer, is nodes. We talk about nodes being over 15 millimeters, but the fact is in gastric cancer, smaller nodes can be positive as well. And we talk about the number of nodes. We talk about the size of the nodes. Well, an article by Sato made the point that it's really where the nodes are that matters. And rather than breaking it down in all these microcosms, you can see that anything really above 8 is abnormal. Some areas 7 is abnormal, but it's hard to measure. Some areas 6 millimeters, greater curvature. But you can see when you have nodal disease, it's going to be typically positive. And again, it's very important to map and stage these patients. Enlarged regional lymph nodes, considered over eight millimeters. Um, nodes, uh, N1 nodes are closer than three cm to the primary tumor, and N2 are greater than three cm from the primary tumor. So we talk about images again, infiltration along the celiac axis by the cruise of the diaphragm. The patient also looks like what has a mass in the head of the pancreas. This patient actually came to pancreatic conference for pancreatic mass. When we did the entire study and we distended the stomach, look at that mass at the G junction. That was a gastric cancer. There are nodes present, involvement of the duodenum, metastatic disease to liver, all of the things from one disease process. But you can see the nodes, those nodes were positive at surgery, but the nodes are small. So again, six millimeter nodes is something that we do need to watch out for. And again, if you're waiting for 15 millimeter nodes in gastric carcinoma, and the same thing is true as in esophageal cancer, you're going to make some terrible mistakes. So this, this case, I really do like the case because 
The nodes in the celiac, the gastric tumor and the fundus, large periodic nodes, kind of, maybe you don't think about the stomach at first with the way the nodes are distributed, but it's a great learning case. We talk about spread of the tumor into the mesentery and the omentum. We talk about infiltration down the gastrocolic ligament to the colon. Here we see the liver meds, the ascites, the carcinomatosis, the diffuse infiltration of the stomach. Very, very extensive disease. And you can see here the bulky tumor by the stomach, by the gastrocolic ligament, which is better shown in coronal views. Look how the tumor has grown down the gastrocolic ligament to involve the transverse colon. So one of the things with gastric cancer is direct extension locally, mesentery, omentum, transverse mesocolon, as well as things like liver mets, which you can see here as well. So very, very important. So let me go through a little bit more about gastric adenocarcinoma, but I realize we're kind of pushing the clock a bit. So let's just stop here and I'll come back and finish up on gastric adenocarcinoma and go from there. If you liked what you heard here today, please make sure to hit that subscribe button and visit our website ctss.com for lectures, quizzes, pearls, and more. Also, be sure to check out our apps that are available for free on the Apple Store. All links are in the description box below.